Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's gospel, a lawyer attempts to test Jesus. Now, in those days, lawyers were scholars of the law of Moses. They were involved in the church. They knew the word of God. These are not the type of lawyers that we know today who are involved with the secular courts. And this lawyer, testing Jesus, asks him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies by saying, basically saying, you as a lawyer know the law. What is your reading of the law? It's interesting that Jesus directed the lawyer back to the law to obtain eternal life instead of pointing him to the more excellent way, that is through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law in our place and gives us salvation by his grace. And our Lord's response here is very much different than the responses given to similar questions that are found in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 2, St. Peter preached at Pentecost that most wonderful sermon showing how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and that he died on the cross and rose from the grave for our justification. In his sermon, Peter concluded, as Acts records, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now at this, the people, the crowds, were cut to the heart, and they asked Jesus, what shall we do? No, they didn't ask Jesus. They asked, they asked Peter. And Peter then showed them the way of salvation, saying, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That is Peter's response after preaching his Pentecost sermon. And the people are cut to the heart, wondering what to do. The way to eternal life is found in Christ Jesus. And so they are taught to repent, to be baptized into Christ, and that through Jesus, they will then receive the forgiveness of their sins, they will be declared righteous, and they will be declared acceptable to heaven. Several chapters later, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are imprisoned for faithfully preaching the gospel. That night, they were praying in prison, and they were singing hymns to God. And suddenly, around midnight, there was a great earthquake shaking the foundations of the prison, and the prisoners' doors were then opened, and by the work of God, the chains of the prisoners were then suddenly unfastened. The jailer, the one responsible for them all, concerned about what's going to happen to him since these prison doors just opened and everyone can escape, 
He thought that they must have escaped, and so the jailer wants to kill himself. Paul cries out, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And then trembling, the jailer kneels down before Paul and Silas and asks a question just like the lawyer's question. What must I do to be saved? And the response Paul and Silas gave to this jailer is, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they taught the jailer and his family the word of God. And then they are now baptized into Christ. Why did Peter, when the crowd was cut to the heart and said, what must we do? And then Paul and Silas proclaim to the, when, when the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Proclaim, why did they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? While well, J- Jesus taught the lawyer salvation through the law of God? Can there possibly be salvation through the law? After all, as Lutherans, we tend to know pretty well that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and not of our own works. We know that we are justified not by the works of the law. We know that our own righteous acts are like filthy rags, And we know that we cannot achieve heaven through our own doings. But Jesus said to the lawyer that the lawyer would live if he loves the Lord, his God, with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, and he loves his neighbor as himself. Jesus clearly said that. Do this and you will live. That seems to suggest, then, that one could be saved by his observance of the law. And that certainly is true if someone could actually keep the law. The reality is, is none of us can keep the law. And Jesus illustrates that reality by teaching the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here you have a Jewish man unwisely traveling alone on a dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Robbers then come upon him. They attack him. They strip him. They beat him. They rob him and they leave him there half dead. By chance, it is written, a priest, a man of God, the very one whom you think would be the first to help, sees him passes by on the other side and keeps on going. Another man of God, you would think, does, who would help out, does the same thing, though, and he's a Levite. They fail God's call to love. And then a third man comes. This time we have here a Samaritan, one who's considered by the Jews to be a half-breed, one who is put down by the Jews, one who is thought really little of by the Jews, and yet what does this Samaritan do to this Jew? Does he do as a priest and Levite and ignore him and leave him in his plight? Or does he, recognizing the law of love, having compassion on this man, come to his aid? 
he does what was expected according to the law of love. He comes up to him in great compassion. He bandages his wounds. He brings him to an inn. He takes care of him. He pays the bill and he promises to pay any additional debt that will accrue through his lodging and recovery. Who among us does that? Are we not too busy calculating our moves? Will robbers attack me too if I stop to help? I guess I better not stop and help. Will that man half dead give me hepatitis or other blood-borne diseases if I treat his wounds? Certainly can't touch him. Will I be late for something if I take the time to help? Oh, I can't be bothered. With this man right now, I have more important matters to attend to. Will he pay me if I'm kind to him? Because I can't suffer any type of loss. Do I have time for all this trouble? Because, of course, my God is my time. So that I can watch mindless YouTube videos. How much work will it take to clean my car after that bloodied man sits in it? Because, of course, I can't be bothered by another stranger. Can I afford his bill? Because I'm not going to let one penny leave my possession. Shouldn't the government pay for his bills? Oh, that's a great reason. I know that others should be there to do it. Isn't there someone else who can insist do this instead of me? Did he have this coming, and who am I to get in the way of fate? There, boy justifying ourselves, thinking that, oh, he must have done something. And since I don't know the man, how, who am I then to get involved? Oh, the excuses that we can come up, that we can invent, so that we can ever so cleanly let ourselves off the hook. Whatever we can do to not be involved, how loveless we can be. Repent. But do I have to repent? Aren't my excuses valid and just? Won't God understand? Do I really have to help? Can't there be some other way? Can't you see how good my, and pure my excuses are? You know, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the lawyer tried to justify himself when he asked, Who is my neighbor? He figured he must have gotten the whole love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind down pretty pat. But the neighbor part, did he really love those who would be considered his neighbor? The lawyer here, of course, was looking for a, a loophole. He was looking for that excuse, that way to prove himself to be right and innocent, even if deep down he knew that he was not. And, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, any attempt to do the same, loopholes or excuses, will not go well for us. Instead, Jesus teaches us to love our neighbor as the Samaritan did, with no excuse. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a very colorful way of teaching what Jesus proclaimed in his Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus said, with no uncertain terms, 
You therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. For that is what the law demands. Even Jesus in the New Testament taught that full weight of the law, as you can see in this gospel, the severity of the law. Those severe words that you heard in our Old Testament reading. And in doing so, Jesus also shows that our observance of the law will not result in our salvation. It is impossible to save ourselves through our most righteous acts. For if we kept the whole law but break just one little portion of it, we are guilty of breaking the entire law. So if you have broken even the smallest commandment but kept every other law of God, you would be ineligible to achieve salvation on your own through your keeping of the law. But not only that, but we also recognize what original sin has done to us and how the sin of Adam is passed on from generation to generation. And so we, having inherited the sin of Adam, already have transgressed the law before we are even born. So even if we could somehow keep the entire law, we are still counted as sinners and cannot save ourselves. And so David rightly confessed, surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, despite being a scholar of the law of Moses, the lawyer did not understand the impossibility of fallen man to achieve eternal life through the observance of the law. He figured that there must be some way that he can save himself through that law. And so Jesus responds the way he does with the lawyer. He needs to teach the lawyer that he cannot obtain salvation through the law. That's why Jesus directed him back to the law, saying, what is your reading of the law? How do you explain it? Why Jesus says, do this and you will live. Why the lawyer then, seeking a loophole, tries to find a way out, asking who his neighbor is. And why Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then why also Jesus again points out that that is a way to salvation if you could do it. This all teaches us that we are to love our neighbor, those in need whom God has placed in our lives, that we are not exempt from these divine instructions. And while that is a certain teaching of this parable, we also have the certain teaching of the love that Jesus has toward us through this parable. Picture yourself as being the one who was laying there half dead, stripped and robbed and beaten, one about to die. And picture Christ as the good Samaritan who saw you laying there dead in your sins and trespasses, pouring on you the waters of holy baptism, tending to your wounds with the salve of the gospel, feeding you the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of your sin, bringing you to the inn of the church, paying your entire debt through his sufferings and death on the cross, and promising to cover for all our sins and iniquities when he returns again in glory. Those blessings, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, 
belong to you. They are yours. That is a promise of God given to you by the gospel. When people are seeking salvation according to their own terms or according to their own observance of the law or through their own false belief, that is when they need to hear that law so that they are brought down from their security and their own self-righteousness and their own false understandings. And that is what Jesus gave the lawyer. That is what he needed so that he would come down from his pedestal of self-security and false belief. And so Jesus delivered to him the law. But couched in that parable of the Good Samaritan, of course, is the gracious mercy and working of Christ. Those at Pentecost, they had been cut to the heart as Peter had preached his sermon. The Philippian jailer was now accused as he saw how wrong he was and how right Paul and Silas were. And so they had already been convicted of their sin. And so Peter preaches the gospel. And Paul and Silas tell the Philippian jailer and his family the way of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. The apostles baptize thousands on Pentecost who are cut to the heart and hear the gospel. The Philippian jailer and his family are baptized into Christ, given that gospel, forgiven of all of their sins, the way of salvation. That is why Jesus responds to the lawyer in one way, the self-secure, and why Peter, Paul, and Silas respond to the others in another way, those who have come off their pedestals of security and now recognize that they cannot save themselves. We therefore treat souls according to what they need. We diagnose their situation and apply the law or the gospel as it is needed. And that is true care of the soul. In German, pastors are sometimes called Zalesorgers, which literally means one who provides or cares for the soul. Both the law and the gospel are needed for salvation. In fact, the law of God even is good and wise. We need the instructions that the law of God teaches us. We need it also and especially to accuse us of our sin so that we take no comfort or security in ourselves, but instead we turn to the Lord completely in repentance. We also need the law for its second use, and that is to curb our sinful actions. Jesus used the law rightly with the lawyer, and Peter used this good law rightly in his sermon at Pentecost. But then when the crowd was cut to the heart, Peter gave them that saving gospel, teaching, the sal teaching salvation by faith through Christ alone. For Jesus alone was crucified on our behalf, bearing our sin in his body. Jesus alone atoned for all that we have done amiss. Jesus alone then declares us sinners to be righteous before him, completely acquitted of our sin and justified. 
Jesus alone opens the gates of heaven to us. Jesus alone is our Savior and Redeemer and propitiation for our sins. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And so we receive Christ, receiving his gospel, taking comfort always in the gospel, not taking comfort in anything that we have done for our salvation. In fact, our epistle summarizes this very well as the epistle lesson closes with these words. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That's exactly what Jesus did with the lawyer in today's gospel. Imprisoned him under sin by teaching him the law so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ would be given to those who believe. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.